Welcome everybody and Merry Christmas Eve Eve. I've heard it called Christmas Adam. It's the day before Christmas Eve, but no matter what you call it, we're excited to get into uh, this Christmas season. As you can tell, if you're watching this on the video, uh, we are decked out in our best Christmas outfits. Um, Cameron, last week I asked you, I, I asked, I told you I was going to have a better question. Yes. So this week, Cameron, would you rather be visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, or future? Well, as the historian that I am, definitely the ghost of Christmas past would love to see, uh, I guess, my old self, my younger self, um, opening Christmas presents and still believing in Santa Claus and even leaving up cookies and milk for him. So, yeah, I definitely want to see a five to ten year old camp in a sense. I really would have thought that you would have gone like, oh, yeah, Christmas passed, but I want to go like way, way, way back. I want to see like the 1800s or something. Oh. Is, is he allowed to do that? It's like a time traveling ghost in a way. I don't know the rules. Um, but we're not here to talk about old Christmas stories, about bah humbugs, uh, old stories that turn into movies, many movies, but the best one was done by puppets. We're here to talk about uh, the weekend message. We're here to talk about Advent, um, about Christmas coming up real soon. So let's get back into the weekend message that Pastor Elwin shared. He shared about uh, the shepherds, about um, how that they turned fear into action and, and they didn't let fear uh, consume them or, or rule their lives. Um, but they were a huge part of the Christmas story. They're probably one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Uh, Cameron, I know you were telling me that they're your favorite part of the Christmas story, and I know that you have some fun facts about the shepherds, so why don't we get into that? Yeah, totally. So every time I read Luke 2, open up to that passage, I always think about the Christmas story. I always think, I, I get flashed um, to Charlie Brown Christmas and Linus giving the Christmas story there. But this is probably the most iconic, I feel, uh, Christmas story as we really see it and where mm. the shepherds are receiving the the privilege of the announcement of Christ's birth. And Pastor Owen gave some some good background around the shepherds. When when I was actually in Israel myself about two years ago, I actually we actually saw some Bedouin shepherds still in that during this uh, time, they're still herding sheep, keeping their flocks and they literally are on the outskirts of society. They, mm. They're homeless. They don't have any material possessions of their own, really. And they, they live in the wilderness. And even in this modern age, they're, they're still keeping much in the same way as they would have all these centuries ago. So the really cool thing about the shepherds in Bethlehem is that they're probably the ones who are raising and keeping the flocks for the sacrifice for mm. the sins at the temple. If we know from the Old Testament laws and whatnot, in order for sins to be covered, uh, a sheep had to be slaughtered. And oftentimes these are the ones that are suited and suitable for the temple sacrifice in, in Jerusalem. So Bethlehem is literally only seven miles away from, from Jerusalem. And these shepherds are the ones who are given the privilege. These are the ones who they're raising the sheep for slaughter. And they're given the announcement that the true lamb of God is born. Uh, you know, I never, I never thought of it that way. 
uh, Pastor Owen was talking about how, like, um, because they were on the outskirts of society, because they couldn't like follow the rituals of cleanliness and all of that, they weren't they they weren't allowed to go into like the temple and and all of that. And it's crazy that like they're the ones raising the sacrifice, but they can't go make sacrifices themselves. Yeah. So it's like they do all the work and everybody else reaps all the benefit. Totally. Um, and then God is like, hey, the biggest reward without you having to do any work is available for you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's really beautiful and it really shows like God's heart in, in this. And one of the things I always kind of take away from this is even though the shepherds are lowly, they're seen as even lowlifes, uh, scum that they're not even uh, testimony is worth it in a court of law sort of thing, that they, in their humble state, are are almost elevated in this story to, to mm. kind of receive the the king and it's it's a beautiful representation of god's heart to go after those who are downcast and out and feeling down yeah that's part of the reason that i love the uh the story about the shepherd so much is because it reminds us it reminds me at least that it's not about like Herod, like last week where he like had all this power and he was so consumed with the power that he missed the miracle that was happening right in front of him. Mm-hmm. But it's like the lowly people, the people that we don't think twice about, the people that we um, we shrug off or roll up our windows as we drive past. Those are the people that God like esteems the most. So uh, that's that's part of the reason that I like the shepherd so much. It's just a reminder to me of like not to get too caught up in Christmas presents and like, um, you know, having the nicest things, but it's about, and how am I bringing the good news to the people that others maybe don't care about? Yeah. It's totally that. Speaking of, um, part of the, part of the really convicting, um, part of pastor Owen's message this past weekend was he was talking about how the birth of Jesus gives us an opportunity to move from consumers to contributors Mm -hmm. from consumer faith to conviction based faith. Um, This, this really resonates with me because um, as we talk about often in this podcast, a lot of my life is done consuming where, whether it's like uh, on my phone through social media and I'm just consuming what other people are posting and other people are saying or watching movies and TV. It's, it's what other people are telling me uh, the stories that other people are making. Uh, and so a lot of our lives are done through consumption. Um, but Jesus, the birth of Jesus, Christmas gives us an opportunity to sit, to, to, to take that consumption of, uh, okay, all your, all your stories, everything that you're listening to is all being fed to you. Now it's your turn to go and contribute. It's your turn to go and create. It's your turn to go and uh, be a bigger part rather than just consuming everything. Um, Cameron, how do we take the steps to change our faith from consumption to contributor to conviction-based? Yeah, it's a really challenging thing to think about in that sense. It's almost like moving from selfishness to selflessness in a way, where sometimes I I fall into the trap or think about times when I'm so consumed with me, kind of like what we were talking about last week with Herod, mm. when we're so 
uh, focused on why is this happening to me? How is this going to affect me? And we don't realize that, well, now everything's pointing to me and I'm only focused mm. and fixated on that. Hmm. God's heart is not only that he loves us, but that in turn, we would love others uh, with his love. And to me, that's that transition step that we need to take. When we're a consumer Christian or a consumer based faith, it's all about me. It's everything that God does for me. He loves me. It's all how he, um, his affections are shown up on me. But on one hand, yes, that is what we are to receive from him. It's it's God's free gift to us and through his son, that's what we get. But there's also a second step that we must take as well, that we, we receive love to also pour out to, to others. Mm. It's that whole concept sometimes we talk about being a cul-de-sac versus like a conduit of God's love. Mm. If we're just going to be a pool of receiving things, eventually it turns septic, it turns into a cesspool because there's no flowing water to go out. Um, kind of even going back to the imagery in Israel, um, when you look at the Sea of Galilee, it's full of life. It's There's fish in it. it to this day, there's still people, fishermen who get um, things from it. It's, it's a beautiful flowing lake. Um, but as you follow the Jordan River, River south and you hit the Dead Sea, uh, because it is just a cesspool point or nothing else flows out of, it, it turns into a place that is inhospitable to life. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. The water is so salty mm. and so full of minerals and every, every runoff that comes down. So when you look at it, that's, that's how our lives should be, that we're, we are to be this conduit of, of God's love. We receive it in, and also give it out in a sense too. I feel like, uh, I feel like that's, that's really good. Um, I, I really like that idea of not turning insular and not just like, okay, I'm going to hoard all of this information, all of this, um, like resources, all of that. But how do we, how do we turn, make the transition from cul-de-sac to conduit? How do we make that mm-hmm. transition of, okay, I'm going to start to give, I'm going to start to contribute. How do we turn that corner in our own lives? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that I, I have to consider my myself too is the things that God blesses me with or gives me, they're not for me per se. They're yeah. they're meant to be turned back towards worship of him, but also to bless others as well. That's that whole thing we have at church, the blessed to bless campaign. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And that's the the hard part, right? I mean as a only child myself, sometimes I, I can get really um, selfish on things and want to like hold on. But the the real blessing in it usually is when we give something away, when mm-hmm. we're able to, uh, in a sense, hand it over to someone else and or even hand it back to God and say, you you do even more more with this than than I can. Um, I think that's that's the life of a disciple of Christ in in ultimately because it's even kind of boiled down to the greatest commandment when Jesus tells his disciples um, love God and love others when when we talk about this idea it's it's a both and it's not just oh I, I only love God 
no mm. you 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 love god by loving others like that's that's the the eventual flow of it so you can't just there are two sides of the same coin it's not something you can bifurcate or separate from one another there if you're if you love god you love others and that's that's part of the the journey that we take as as disciples of christ that we we move from just being totally self-absorbed and all about ourselves into a transition into being loving uh disciples after god and and his people in that sense i like that i like that idea of um okay what do i have like what has god given me and like how can i turn and bless others Mm -hmm. um I like the the illustration of being the only child. Uh, as the middle child, I I too had to like <laughs> fight for the scraps. It felt like sometimes, um, but yeah, like what has God given me in my life as I look around, like, and how can I turn that to bless others and to show others the love that God has given me, not only through possessions but through um, through time, through energy, through um, just being able to talk with them and listen to them, offer, offer a, a, a shoulder to lean on. Um, so a, a really practical way that we can do this is through connect groups. Uh, it's through discipleship. So if you're not in a connect group, this is the guy you want to see. Oh, wait, am I pointing? supposed to point this way? Depends how we're oriented. Okay, whichever side of me Cameron is on, <laughs> that's the guy that you want to see. Email uh, Cameron at metrochristianchurch.com. And uh, he'll get you plugged into a connect group where people will walk alongside you and uh, help you to bless them as they bless you. Another way to do this is to uh, invite people to our Christmas Eve service, invite them to watch along with you, uh, whether in small groups or online, just watching together Um, and just real life on life discipleship of like, hey, I'm going to uh, the park to read my Bible. I'm going to text someone and ask hey do you want to come sit at the opposite end of uh of a table and we can like talk for a little bit um just really letting the blessings that god has given you flow into blessing others and uh not just consuming and hoarding all of god's blessing for yourself but turning into that conduit into that flowing stream of God's love being poured out through you. And then you redirect it into pouring out love for others. Speaking of which this week, uh, the last week of Advent, the final week of Advent, we are talking about love. Cameron, give us a little history on what, what is biblical love? History on, on what love. Well, if you look at the Bible Project video uh, that we have posted on our social media pages and whatnot, you'll see that there are two main words that we kind of uh, riff off of. There's the Hebrew word ahava, and then you have the Greek word agape. And again, love is another one of those terms. Uh, as far as in English, we have all sorts of meanings. You know, you can say you love your mom um, or in the same sentence, you can say, I love pizza. And if your mom were to hear that and associate those as the same thing, I think your mom would be very upset. But, or pizza uh, would be very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but oftentimes, uh, we kind of casually throw around that word. But if we dig into the richness of the biblical meanings and definitions, we just see such a 
wonderful display of what um, God's love is like. And we, we mentioned it initially when we were talking about the shepherds, about how God's heart is for the lowly. It's for those who are oppressed and are, are down and out. But when we, we think about it in terms of, especially in light of the gospel, I like to think about it in 1 John 4, 9, that the love of God is displayed through his son. Mm. That when Jesus came, it was the fullest expression of God's love that we could ever experience. That Jesus put on human flesh and he came and dwelt among us. Like That's the thing about the incarnation that just continues to blow my mind. And one of the aspects of biblical love that we often talk about in Jesus exampled and talked in his life was loving those who, one, are not able to repay you in return. That, mm. That's the concept that we always get from Jesus' teaching. And then the even further point of it is loving your enemies. These are the examples of God's love and the biblical sense of how we are to, to love. So the thing that I always think about in the gospel story is while we were still enemies to God, he sent his son, he came down to us to not only dwell among us, but to reconcile us back to him. Like that's the, to me, the most beautiful aspect of, of God's love. He didn't wait for us to initiate. He didn't think about, oh, how are we going to repay him back? Or like, in a sense, um, quid pro quo this. He just said, no, I'm going to uh, step down into this, this mess, this filth that, we find, uh, that humanity finds themselves in. And I'm going to love them nonetheless in this way. So yeah. much so that I'm going to die for them. Yeah. Um, I think it's in Romans where it's like uh, Paul is writing, you know, for, for, for like a really good cause or for a really good person, maybe someone would die. But while we were still enemies, if, if you think about um, your own testimony um, for those who are listening, um, if you think about your own testimony and when you met Jesus, um, even if you were like, a solid stand-up good person, um, you still had sin in your life. And you, we were all uh, going against God in one way or another. And even in the midst of that, Jesus still loved us. Jesus was still there for us. Jesus still came down and died for us. And I think that's the, the ultimate, ultimate um, expression of how we can turn uh, God's love into to turn to others. Whether it's people that you just like don't get along with, it's people that are posting things on social media that you're just like, what is going on? Um, I think that we can see this really, really in a, in a very tangible way uh, in politics nowadays, where the other is so villainized and so like, uh, so uh, antagonized mm-hmm. that we as followers of Jesus have to look across that seemingly uncrossable expanse and say, mm-hmm. you know what? God still loves them. Mm-hmm. And how can I show that love to them? Yeah. Which is like difficult, really it difficult to do. Super difficult. And I think that's why when Jesus teaches on it and speaks about it, it's, it's almost like a, like that bar where like, how do we get there? How, what, what's even able to attain, how am I even able to attain that or go for it? And one of the things that I process through and think about is 
Yes, loving your enemies is hard. Like you definitely need the strength from God to do it. You need his grace and whatnot to come upon you and the Holy Spirit to direct you in a sense. But there's also a action that needs to take place on our part. Mm. The word that is connotated here, um, there is an action implied with it. So when you look at both Ahava in the terms of even the Shema, which is the Hebrew primary prayer and what there's there are to call every single day is that aspect of love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and when jesus um talks about the golden rule uh he's he's saying half of the shema in it he says love the lord your god that's the greatest commandment and mm-hmm. the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself and that's the that's the action part of the the shema that is supposed to take place so when we when we talk about um, loving people, there there is an action that follows through with it. Yeah, it's not just a, a passive, um, warm fuzzy feeling, mm-hmm. but it's the action of okay, I'm gonna go and and do something with this. I'm gonna find yes. find a way to bless this person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think of that verse. I don't know. I I don't know where it is. It just popped into my head. It's in the Old Testament where it's like, um, I think it's in the Old Testament. Uh, well, Bible college. I know. I went to school for this. Uh, <laughs> where it's like, uh, by returning by returning hate with love, you pour heaping coals onto that mm. person's head. It's that illustration of like, of Jesus on the cross being like, literally killed mm-hmm. and saying, God forgive them. Like, uh, that idea of, of love for the people who are actively seeking out uh, bad things for us, mm-hmm. who are actively trying to bring us down, mm-hmm. that idea of how do I bless them? How do I love them? That is the radical love mm-hmm. that is exemplified through Jesus. Yeah, definitely. And that same concept too, right? Because Jesus did this for us, it's not just something that, we we consume and we sit on we're just like okay cool i'm i'm good like i i've received god's love i'm forgiven i i I have salvation peace i'm just waiting for jesus to be me out of here kind of thing (laughs) um the the whole concept is if we move to this convictional based faith where we're convicted with this gospel message that we have this almost unbelievable love that god poured out on us we need to share this. You don't just hoard this unto yourself. You don't just keep it to to your own people that you like even. This this needs to go out to everybody, mm. even, even the enemies, even the people who you don't think deserve it, even others who would even reject it. They they need it. And that's that's to me the the heart of the, the gospel, the heart of the good news. And this Christmas season is just another reminder of how important it is to, to share it, how important it is to uh, shout it on the rooftops or as that wonderful Christmas hymn goes, go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Yeah, probably going to go hiking the koalas and then just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how effective it'll be, but... <laughs> No, uh, that's super good, and it's super challenging because this is this is like the advanced, the advanced level. We're not talking about one hundred and one Christianity anymore. Mm-hmm. This is like 
master's thesis PhD is genuinely loving and blessing those who are actively seeking to bring you down. Um, yeah, and that's, that's, that's the reason I love the shepherd so much is because they remind us that like, it's not about furthering your own career or your own status or having the most clout on social media, like having a bunch of followers and being an influencer. Um, that stuff is not what's important to God. What's important to God is that we're showing his love to those around us and we're loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're loving others, loving our neighbor as ourself. It's challenging. Yes, it is. But in, in, in the action, in the going and uh, treating love, not as, as passive, but as active, that's where we find, I, I think, the biggest blessing of, of God that we see in a very tangible way what it means to follow Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hey, as we wrap up, uh, again, I want to invite you to our Christmas Eve service uh, tomorrow, Thursday, Christmas Eve, uh, 5 and 7 p.m. Come find us in the chat. We'll be there. Um, it's going to be super fun. A uh, lot of games, a cook-off um, that was torture to sit there and smell and not be able to taste. But it's it was super, super fun. Uh, it's going to be really awesome. Go um, email Cam to join a connect group. Find someone uh, to bless this week, whether it's someone that you know or just someone that's like a shepherd who's on the outskirts of society. Find a way to spread God's love this week. We'll see you next week on the Hanaho podcast. Merry Christmas, everyone. And Merry to Christmas. all a good night. Oh, 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 oh.